All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckstables? What the fuckniks? What the fucking avians? What the fucking adians? Uh, what the fuckadelics? What the fuckaholics? What the fucking steins? I don't even know anymore. God damn it. Fuck. All right, before I start rambling about myself, I, you know, my heart goes out to anybody who has a kid, honestly, and, and, and certainly the people um, in Connecticut who uh, who lost people in this horrible, shitty thing. It's just fucking sad and evil and fucked up. And it's, it's, it's almost impossible for me to wrap my brain around it. But it's just, it's horrifying. I, yeah, I find myself avoiding the coverage because uh, sometimes I feel it's so predatory. But obviously, something horrible has happened and something, there's nothing we can do about what has happened. But certainly there's something that can be done in the future around this. But right now it's just awful. It's a, it's, it's a, it's just fucking awful. So I, uh, I'm sorry for your pain out there. All right, so let's, um, let's move into other things, can we? I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know how to speak to that for a long time, but uh, I can do other things. John Favreau is my guest today. Lovely conversation with Mr. Favreau here in the garage. He doesn't do that, these things that often or at all. And uh, we had met briefly and uh, and I, I enjoyed his company very much. He's a very nice guy. Earned what he has, has a good story. Open, great guest. It was a pleasure. He was concerned uh, after the interview, he said, uh, well, now I just got to worry about what you're going to say about me before. Now, I don't think I sandbag anybody here in this in this uh, opening. Maybe maybe there's a tonal issue. Sometimes my tone might seem, uh, I don't know if condescending is the right word or dismissive, but uh, I had a pleasant conversation. John, if you're listening, it was a very pleasant conversation. I uh, And I've done a lot of these things and I enjoy talking to you. Is that going to be enough for you, John? Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? Is it coming from the right place? Let me so let me try to regulate. Let me try to balance my heart. Let me sit upright in my chair and get my chakras in line so I'm speaking from my core when I say this. John, it was lovely. And uh, everybody who's listening outside of John uh, Favreau, um, you're going to enjoy it as well. But moving on, I... Uh, Occasionally, I go look at homes. My girlfriend, Jessica, enjoys looking at homes. She watches House Hunters. Uh, but then, you know, at some point, I must have said something like, yeah, maybe I, we, I could get a new house. I don't know if I can really afford it, but I, I guess, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, uh, that could happen. So now it's a, there's a, a sort of every other day, you know, laying in bed, iPad comes into my face, and I'm looking at a home. And now occasionally we go out and look at homes. And I guess I could buy a new house, but the garage is here and Boomer might come back and I still need to stucco this shitty back portion and I need to clean my deck and the floor has a hole in it that I, I, I'm going to get to. But I might not get to it. I don't know. But nonetheless, I'm fine. 
This is the first house I ever owned, and it was very traumatizing just buying a home the first time. The thought of moving this stuff. The only reason I would think to move was so I could finally go through my shit and throw some stuff out. And maybe, you know, get the stuff out of storage that's in there that I haven't looked at in three years. Though I am missing my Velvet Underground Live in 69 double album. I don't know where that is or my Tom Waits vinyl. But thank you, Mike in uh, Madison. Is that where you are? Or in Minneapolis? Mike? Minneapolis, I think, who sent me the uh, the Tom Waits. Uh, it's a double album. on. Thank you, by the way. It sounds fucking awesome. So I went and looked at a home. And, of course, any home I enter, the, the this one was was pretty beautiful i think it's affordable probably not but i don't know do i have to call a realtor can i just offer the guy money there's a lot of things grown-ups do and seem to be able to manage that i find incredibly overwhelming uh thinking about buying a new home and thinking about bringing another life into the world causes me tremendous panic but i need one for the other do you understand this is the plan that's in place in jessica's mind on some level and it's not unreasonable if there is a baby there's a new house if there's a new house, there's certainly going to be a baby. They're, they're, they're just tied together. I could live in this garage if necessary. I could get a space heater and I could live here and I'd be okay with that. I'd be frustrated that uh, I seem uh, emotionally incapable of doing something else, but I, I would take it as just what I have to do. Maybe I should rent out my house and live in the garage just to fulfill that negative fantasy. All right, so that's why I'm a little... Let's get back to the turntable. So I'm in the stereo rabbit hole. A new record store opens up literally within blocks of me. So I've got permanent records on one side. Now I've got this gimme, gimme records on the other side. So now I'm like out at both of them, schmoozing the owners, talking about stuff. Hey, what's the condition on this one? Is this a good record? A lot of times they don't know. Men congregate in different places. See, this is a fundamental difference between me and, say, the Corolla camp. Adam, who I enjoy and like, who's very good at his job, he works in a garage. He enjoys having cars around. I look under a hood, I'm lost. I don't know what goes on in there. And what if I turn this thing? Ow, I just burned myself. I better go to a guy that knows what they're doing. All right? I know my way around a guitar a little bit. I know how to adjust one. I know my way around stereo equipment and record stores. Men congregate in weird places. Any place where you can sit and talk to other dudes about bullshit, whether it's gear or music or, or a turntable or guitar, whatever it is, a hardware store is another classic place where men congregate. Now, I'm not trying to keep the ladies out here or be exclusionary, but I'm just finding that lately in my life, I'm very fortunate in that I've got a few places to sit and waste time to talk bullshit about things I know about with other dudes who are sitting there and feel like they want to receive that bullshit. It's a joy that I haven't experienced lately, and I'm back in it. Let's talk to John Favreau, or Favreau, 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 fuck. I'll ask him. I've questioned the pronunciation of your last name. Favreau. Not Favreau. No, Favreau. Favreau. Yeah, you prefer that? I think so. That's what I've been. It's what it's been. <laughs> That's what you were brought up with that? Uh, until, I, until I go to a French speaking. And then what happens? Then they say it the right way. And Which I, is I, what? I think it's Favreau or Favreau. Favreau? Favreau, yeah. It's, I, you know, I grew up with nobody knowing how to say my name, and then you go to like Quebec, and then they're. Oh, really? They, they, oh, yeah. They, they, uh, Do you have. Uh, is that part of your heritage? That's Yeah, I think that's where that the father's father strain comes from really and the mother's side is all yeah the father's the father's side's uh, uh 
Italian Catholic with some French Canadian there, and then, and then the mother side's Russian Russian Jewish. Nice. Yes. So you got the the full treatment. Got it all. Got yeah. it from both sides. Yes, I do. I yeah. do. It's a good mix. Yeah. It's a good. It's like a you know. It's like how you Jewy. You mix a beagle and a, yeah. and a cavalier. <laughs> well, yeah. no, the the Italian sort of uh, Jew thing's good. There's a lot of food and a lot of uh, loud conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of heat. Yes. Yeah, there's not much uh, held back. It's a good it's a good uh it mixes well. You can move it closer even. I can't is it bad? am I not doing no, is you're it not good. the WTF no, good. uh sound? No, no, it's the sound, but these are like, you know, these are those mics, you know, you get right up on them. Yes. I've yeah. heard a lot of them now. You uh, have, oh, well, when I'm, 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 I met panic. you. I met you yeah. um at was it the uh, this at, is 40? The screening. Judd, Judd, first of all, I was very flattered to be asked. Yeah, by me Judd. too. Yeah, yeah. And uh Judd and I go back a yeah. ways and uh but I had never been to one of the screenings of his films before they were, you know. What was that? A cl- was that that fancy whatever the hell that Soho is? Soho House. Yeah. Are you part of that? I am now. I After am. that. After that, because of that, that screening brought me around. I said, "This I gotta be. I gotta be a part of this thing. <laughs> I might need a room." It became. Yeah. It became because I'm a West Side guy. Yeah. So you know, if you and I were to meet, yeah. that's a good place to say, "Come meet." And, sure, and in the middle. You, and right. if you're with people who are who are uh, don't want to be photographed or have right. You know, they just get out of the car in the garage. And right, they're upstairs, and so that's the thing. It's sort of like it's. Hey, I'm a member. I'll put your name down there. Kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'd been going before I was, and uh, I, I, you know, it wasn't. So I don't go out to socialize. I think. Yeah, that was maybe the last time I was socializing right. when I saw right. you. A, a few what do you do ago. after a certain age? I mean, and you got kids. I mean, what I the hell? Is, what does socializing mean? And and you're visible, but you're not like you know. I don't. I don't imagine the paparazzi chases you down, but. No, but if they're there, they'll they'll take a picture. They won't sure. chase me, but I'll, they'll you know right. they'll, they'll it's no there's no film anymore. So you're, what you know it's a couple right a couple meg off the chip. They'll, yeah, who cares? You know, maybe but you're, catch you're not... me with my mouth open and yeah. uh, you know or with my kids or something. <laughs> but you're not a train wreck that they need to monitor. No, thankfully, you know that seems to be the best defense as being as boring as you possibly can be. So I I, I, really, just, I, I work at it. It's just Favro. Favreau. Like, it's fine. Which you'll, one is it? You'll edit it out. Later. What do you so, want? Well, let's call it Favreau, but I like whatever you say is fine. Favreau. Yes, it's It's not. just Favreau. It's, it's, it's another improper pronunciation that I've that I've um, grown accustomed to. <laughs> no, it sounds I'll, Italian, which worked well with my with my heritage. So, but, but uh, that that club, like I, I don't think I'd ever go there, but you find yourself going there. Yeah, right? it's, it's fine. You know, it's 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 no different. Like than if you want to meet else, but, I like the fact that they don't they don't they, they say no photography there. Right, but you, like if you're meeting an actor or somebody, or, it's nice because it's not always you can't always have a thing you know and i had an office i now have an office but i had had an office in my in my house and it's just kind of weird come over it depends you know who you're yeah, meeting right, you know, right. feel, feel, for, for this it's perfect yeah well, it puts yeah. you in the right mood yeah i don't know where else i'm gonna go i could bring the mics to you i could have met you at the soho club uh, no, we? <laughs> we could have done it but i have i have to tell you since i since so so when we met i kind of knew you but i never met you and i'd right. seen you on louis and yeah. i'd seen you uh, a number of places and right. I sort of figured out it's sort of a constellation of uh, right of things where I, I felt like I, I knew you, um, but then I started listening to your your podcast. Yeah. I started listening to this to see what it was. Yeah. You had said, "Hey, we should do it sometime," yeah. and you're like, "Sure." And, and you had like, said it as though I it? would know what it is, and I didn't know what it was. So, uh, but I but I wanted to to listen to it, and it sort of opened my eyes up to this whole podcast culture, which I was uh, 
somewhat I, I heard about it yeah we're down I, here on the ground john we're, we're down here uh, you know no, amongst I, the people i don't i think it's a good thing it's yeah. the flip side of new media you know yeah. you're, you're, you're you're so aware of like the the click through journalism where yeah. it's like the most sensational headline to get you to click and then yeah. you read it and it's not what you right it's one paragraph it gonna, of nothing yeah yeah uh and, and it's all about getting that click you yeah know? yeah this is the opposite this is like long form right conversation right for an hour with somebody and if you're into that person it's that narrow casting yeah it's like let's get really specific and we don't have to appeal to everybody right and it was it was really i i really appreciate it because i don't know if you remember on ifc you're, you have a show on ifc coming up yeah right? i got a half hour you had the party uh dinner for dinner, five. dinner for five dinner for five so yeah. you were doing the conversation thing there was that type of thing uh, yeah. that was appealing to me of this idea of getting p- interesting people talking in a way that they would speak uh yeah as I, you would a normal conversation right and I wasn't competing for late night views right. against uh, right. some other show. There was right. no ratings incentive. Right. And it, we, you know, we 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 grinded out like fifty episodes. I know. I wish at that time it was more relevant, so I could be invited yeah. to the table. <laughs> I, I, but I, I wasn't, and uh, it it's looked a, like a fun thing. You would have been great. As a matter of fact, we found that we we you know the people the people that you gravitate to because of your comedy background sure. were we always wanted somebody from yeah that they world. were always on. Believe me, I knew it. You I was I was there seething in my uh, were in you? my living room. Of course I was. Were you? It's what? like why the fuck is uh, that guy we on there? You know, but you know how it is. It's a, it was a real. Home, homespun thing. Oh yeah, kind of. Because you I'm not want mad to, at you. I'm not mad. Yeah, at you. All right. <laughs> but you did want to get people who kind of knew each other already. Because yeah, yeah, what yeah. I really love was a crosstalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you notice, I I didn't even ask questions. We would always edit any of that out. Sure. And just roll into it. And 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 so seeing this podcast culture is like it. it the audience has finally come around where people will be able to seek out the people and the types of conversations that they want. And, right. And then you don't have to be afraid about appealing to the least common denominator. Yeah, you don't have to appeal to anybody. There's there's thousands of podcasts out there that, uh, you know, there's just a, a guy in a room. Yeah. You know, going on. You know, I, I don't, uh, it's like I'm waiting for people to find those guys. I'm waiting for the nirvana of the uh-huh. podcast world. Uh-huh. Like, this guy is in his basement in austin he's a genius yes. it's great i mean it is great that there's no more you know the gatekeepers uh, don't really exist in no, they'll, the same they'll, way. they'll figure out a way to, to lock us down <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's great it, it is great though so i've i've become i became very uh enamored with the show and it, primarily because i you know i i um I cut my teeth in chicago i grew up in new york but i moved to chicago to chase the second city dream and and i was uh a dishwasher there and I was in improv groups and and uh the whole flip side you know you're the whole stand-up culture yeah I was on the improv side of the yeah culture. I talked to a lot of those cats and I've listened to probably most I I, I subscribed okay. I have all the That's archives nice. and, and what's great for me is there's a lot of people that I haven't talked to in many many right. years that you've had on the show and it feels like I'm catching you know, up I, I pop in the earbuds I fall asleep doesn't bother the yeah, wife yeah. I used to listen to Charlie Rose falling asleep yeah. and I listen to you yeah and you know, that's interesting because like, Charlie Rose seems like he's falling asleep a lot of times. I, <laughs> what do you I think, think, but it, it is as close to an in-depth sure. conversation no, as you'll get on TV. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so you know, like John Glazer, Dave Keckner, Jody Lennon, guys you uh, hung Joe out Soloway, with, Soloway, people that I would spent years with but haven't been in contact with. And so it's a wonderful way that I feel like I'm catching up with people. Have you uh, reached out to anybody after hearing the show? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. But but. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's you know, a lot of people have seen what I've been up to too, because it's it it, it uh, you know, I, I've it's been kind of out there, and I've done a lot of publicity. But it's great to see the good work that a lot of these people are doing that that sure I, I wasn't aware of right because I got kind of plucked out of that world when I got I got cast in the movie Rudy, out of Chicago, and I got kind of pulled out and and 
went on a whole other path with what, swingers and everything. What led that? What what started though? You you grew up what part of New York? Queens. Grew up in Queens because I lived in Astoria for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah in and the new in the hip Astoria, or the it Greek wasn't hip Astoria. when I was there. It was yeah. it, it was it, I don't I I I'm finding it hard to believe that it's hip. I mean, I was there. I think I got that place in the mid '90s, and I kept it for like 15 right. years. Right, and it maybe it was getting a little hip, but it's yeah. still it's very hard to shake. It's a very international community. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's hipsters there, but they're right. definitely outnumbered by I don't know where everybody's from. Sure. You know. Sure. Uh, but I I know Queens, so you grew yeah. up where? Uh, like Forest Hills, and then College Point. I mean, dad uh, dad was a teacher, a public school teacher, and uh, you know. But got out of this, you know, got this the city experience through uh, going to a high school called Bronx High School of Science, which drew kids from all over the city. It was a special school. It was it was school you have to take a test for as a public school. What and, was your uh, what was your angle? What was uh, your science? Science, like I I always liked performing, yeah, but yeah. it was never an option. Right, uh, and, and it wasn't uh, practical. It wasn't it wasn't like to go to like the school of yeah. I guess visual arts. I was a cartoon. I like to draw. I'm a cartoonist yeah. also, or a performing arts that like fame that wasn't really an option for me you weren't a song and dance man uh, it also wasn't like that my dad was like you could do that later you know get get a get a night you know don't specialize too early <laughs> don't throw it away yet yeah it's kind of like have something you know and so i went to there and i was very good experience because i met the smartest kids from every borough and were even you, the screw-ups were were you smart. a nerdy guy i was you know i went through a lot of phases like what was the what was the first one First one was um, was there chess? The first no, it wasn't. It was it was worse. It was Dungeons and Dragons. Was was like first like freshman year. Then I that's got that's how into, you locked in. Yeah, that was it. my first one. With the, you put me with other smart kids. I was a guy who I liked. The, I think I liked the escapism of it, the fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had lost my mom a few years before, uh-huh. uh, which you know I've later come to learn really does a lot to define how old who were you? you are. Like 15? I was, I was younger. I was like I was like eleven, oh, uh, eleven or twelve. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. My my folks were split up at the time, and and you just you know you go into that uh, that teenage malaise anyway, and yeah. then you, and then to have that that you just you know you 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 you're, you you protect yourself from it at the time. Well, but the, the it, loss. You just don't go through it yeah. when you're too young. I mean, right. It's like you know there's a some sort of spiritual. Uh, protective shield you get, yeah, because you just can't handle that stuff, and and it does affect the way you develop and grow up, and it changes who you are as a person and your work, and you learn through your work what you're well, what what's you really th- ticking inside you. Well, wait, how long that. did it, what, what do you what do you think? Uh, what can you hang on that experience as defining? You know, that, in, in terms of the, like, because I, I understand what you're talking about with the grief, because you just you you can only handle so much yeah. at a certain time. But how do you think it sort of defined you know who you were? You know, it's it's you know when you're in a romantic mood, it yeah. feels like it's you know created this. You know, it it it's the sand that makes the pearl. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's right. The, it's the. It, I mean, when you're and you see it in your work, and if you look at you know, there's you know, pain is a great source of inspiration and it affects relationships that you've had the way you interact yeah yeah uh, the rest of your life and and um and i think my whole you know i think as i look back i mean yeah. what's really good is you look at all the movies even the funny ones there's yeah. like a sad you know there's well, yeah, a sorrow I'm, to, well i'm like thinking swingers, of, swingers like yeah. that yeah, he was a heavy-hearted guy yeah that was sort of desperately looking for a connection that you know i could you know there was definitely <laughs> 
Yeah, there's that. And I think that that kind of, you know, that kind he of. He needed to be parented, that guy. I think it is. You know, but at the time, it's just, hey, let's make an exaggeration sure. of an aspect of my personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was the improv, you know. Right, I learned right. all that from the improv training, which is just, you know, exaggerate anything and it leads to some form of satire. Right. And so I was I should exaggerating. Huh? I should learn that. Improv? No, exaggeration. I need well, to exaggerate more. Hey, do I? Kinda? That's your, that's your, sure you do. <laughs> You look at you look at you you observe the nat you know you're, you're a naturalist but then you but then you exaggerate and it creates satire and okay you take things to their extreme and that's what makes it funny you're not doing goofy characters you're doing yeah you're Some making version. observations and you're and you're distorting them in a way that sheds further yeah. further light on I it. always wonder like satire is one of those weird terms where it's sort of hard to define you know I can define parody and I can define yeah. you know but but just the idea of satirizing you know I I, I hope I'm a character but you wouldn't have to make it about me yet <laughs> it's a good it's we're gonna get there because I've been listening to you talk a lot so uh so dungeons and dragons how long did that That was last? like that was like a year and then and then then i like then, hardcore like where you wearing outfits where you hanging no around no no it wasn't it wasn't about there was pre-internet or yeah. or conventions it was, it was just like, sports smart kids rolling the dice and you're, you're hanging out with other yeah yeah, you know, yeah kids that aren't you know too athletic and you're you know and it's fun games but it's it's like theater games too and yeah. creating worlds and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. uh you know and then and then it just hits you how you know this is not why am i choosing this uh, <laughs> lot in life uh, <laughs> you know, and, and and then you discover like rock and roll and drinking. You gotta and, let the let those yeah, guys cool. go, and and you do, and and you know we're still friends with with some of them. Uh, but it was a great, it was a you know, it was you know, it was a lot of imagination. It helped you out in it. the grief, I guess. You know, like maybe uh, some escapism. Yeah, and then you then you know then you get into like then there was like hardcore punk and going to CBGBs and checking that out or rock or or heavy metal. Well, when know, did Pussy come in? Oh, that's we got. We got. That's the second half hour of the uh, show. That's <laughs> <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> that's uh, the Dungeon and Dragons. That happened, co- that happened in college more. Late bloomer, huh? Yeah, you know, a little bit in high school, but it was, you know, we were. There was a lot of academics. There was, you know, an hour and a half commute to school every day, so there wasn't a big social scene right, around the school. Right, 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 right. And you were there. And they kept you really busy with academics, which yeah. was, you know, looking back, gave me a really good, broad foundation of uh, a little bit of knowledge in every area. And I remember when I, I would study with um, Del, Del Close, who I know you've talked about yeah. here when I went to Chicago. And his whole thing is, why would you ever study theater if you wanted to be in the arts? Why Why would you not want to study everything? Why would you want to study certain specific plays over and over again when you could get a really broad spectrum of everything you should be studying, you know, philosophy, psychology, history, so English. What was his sense of, of what acting was then? His whole thing was, you know, what was interesting about Dell was he was the guy who was like the keeper of the flame because he had, you know, worked with Bill Murray and John Belushi and all, you know, the the age of yeah. that inspired me that to first move to wave Chicago. of uh, of sh- of the Second yeah. City people. And he was with the previous wave with the Compass Players. Com- and oh, really? He, and then he was there also when I w- landed there. Uh, Chris Farley was not even on stage here, there yet, and I had seen him perform. I was going cross country. I mean, we were jumping around a bit. I was going cross country, and I stopped there to visit a friend. And I got called up onto the stage and interviewed for uh, a game called The Dream, yeah. where an improv group would, somebody would interview you about yeah. what happened, and then yeah. they would exaggerate your day and act out your dream. Right. And I kind of realized that the improv wasn't all like pre-prepared little bits, because right. I know that they didn't have any prior knowledge to what I was going to tell them, and they did this incredibly, 
you know, uh, a, a comprehensive take for 20 minutes on, on, on this monologue I just gave. Yeah. And Chris Farley was up there and he was, he was playing me. And I was like, this guy, this, I thought everybody was that good. I was yeah. like, these guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> what, what had you done up And that, that was point? at the Improv Olympic. Okay. That, wasn't even, that was even before he was at Second City. That was yeah. just at a, uh, in the back room of a bar watching right. these people perform. And I was, I was really, really impressed and decided I was going to move there and make a run at it. So when, you, when, you, okay, so you went to, you went to the high school. The, the I went to rock science, and then you you got you then got I out of Dungeons and Dragons, and you played rock. You didn't play rock and roll. No, I didn't one. play rock and roll. But I got into listening to music, and then by by the by this you know by the time I was like an upperclassman, I had it wasn't about what clique you were in at that point. We were all sort of individuals who knew each other, and right. we all lived through each trend that the other person had been in. Right, and, the outfits and the yeah. Yeah, so it was just like eight. You know, I graduated eighty four, so it was like the eighties, and people. You know, by then I had had been going into the city, and so you would. You get some of the downtown culture. Isn't that great? Isn't yeah. that great to have had that? It was great. I mean, I had to fly back there to get that, but you know, I, I had family in Jersey, but we would fly back to visit the grandma and stuff. I always go into the yeah. city. It it definitely, you know, it's if you sponge that shit up when you're young, it, yeah. it's the best. It, and you get that weird, um, that like spider sense where you you know when you're in a bad area or you got to watch out. <laughs> like you get a sense of from riding trains late yeah, at night. Yeah. I'm going to walk in the middle of the street now. You kind of know where you're safe and you're <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, you yeah. can't point your finger at what it is, but I've yeah. been, and then there's other people I know that have grown up without that experience who are somewhat oblivious. And when you're on location in different parts of the world, yeah. it's good to have a little bit of that, yeah, you know. Maybe not that. Maybe we won't ride in this subway car. <laughs> Did you ever do that thing where you walk in the middle of the street because you feel like something's going to happen? Someone's behind you. Uh, I, no, not not that bad. That. But you know, you know which car you're going to ride on at yeah, yeah, certain yeah, yeah, yeah. times in the night. You and, walk in. Yeah. Oh, that not with that guy. But okay. yeah, let's sit by the uh, conductor. So, uh, did you go to college? I did. I went to Queens College. And you went all the way through. I went not all the way through. I was, you know, I was sort of didn't know what I was going to do, and then then it hit the socializing hit. Yeah, and and that was. Um, you know, that's when that's when you started to meet women and have keg parties, and yeah. it became you know that that was the experience of, of of that part of my life and meeting really cool, fun people, and, yeah, and being involved with, but not really knowing where I wanted to land. No theater yet. No, I did like a little bit of theater as a minor. You yeah. know, I wasn't even a minor, and I did like I would I would audition, and and then I got I remember I got one of the leads in Glen Gary Glen Ross, and that's when I realized you know maybe I'm. Because the theater people were like, you know, they were really taking it seriously, and I certainly enjoyed doing it. But yeah. I, again, I never saw it as a realistic option. Because your dad? Yeah, I felt like I was going to be a waiter. You know, I was being super realistic about it all. And then I got hired to work at Bear Stearns by a friend's The investment father, house. The investment house. As, as what? In what capacity? It was facilities planning. The guy's dad needed a, a, an assistant. They yeah. were expanding for a yeah. big move uh, yeah. uptown. And I got brought in and- had the yellow tie and worked for a year on Wall Street, you know, not on the trading floor, but in a support capacity. And and that's when I kind of realized that there was going to be a huge, that this life is you work 50 weeks for two weeks off and you don't do anything but work and you bust your ass and, and, and you know, and, and half the time you're not even, people don't see, recognize what you're doing. You know, yeah. it's it's... It was it you was a little bit overwhelming. You had that weird flash of the future. Uh, this is could be the rest of my life. I got to get the fuck out of here. I, I, I kind of knew it was a little bit odd. And then I gave my two week notice after close to a year, and a week into my two week notice, that the market crashed. And on my birthday, 
Yeah. <laughs> that was Black, whatever it was, Black Monday, I think. Oh, Friday uh, or Monday. October 19th. And, and did you see that, what it, how, how did, the, the ripples, did you see people? You saw, well, I, again, I wasn't on the floor. Right. But I saw, I knew something was weird that day I went into work. And it was like, boy, maybe this is a sign I did the right thing. And I, I had left, I, I took a motorcycle cross country. I went back to school first, to Queens College, and yeah. then got straight A's, Dean's List, because, yeah. you know, you work for a year, and it's like you... But you didn't it finish. Changes. I didn't finish because I, I, I took a trip cross-country, and um, I had taken the fire department test. I wanted to be a fireman. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, went cross-country and stopped uh, in Chicago. And that's where and that saw happened improv and saw the the names on the wall at second city and that was everybody so I you were an audience member when you got brought up on yeah, stage yeah. To... yeah oh i was an audience member you were just there you know you're yeah kinda... and i had none of the weird um you know i hear a lot of people on your show talk like how important stand-up was to them and and, and a lot of people from theater who go to college for theater it there's this importance to it that i never had it was always fun whenever i got to get on stage it was a fun experience for really me. yeah i got to be a ham i got people to laugh and um you know you were the best of the people who were in the after school play or you auditioned for a show in college and yeah. in the little theater and you got a good part so it was it, it was always a positive for me and, yeah and i also was doing it after school through the time when my mother was ill and passed away so i think that that clicks something for you too you were very so you were young you were in like in your early teens when you're doing little plays and stuff yeah i was in all through junior high school and grade school you know never anything professionally but right, in but school was, i would always try out and get you know sometimes i got a big part sometimes a small part but i always liked it right I yeah. always dug it. So that, but that's amazing that you, you know you're just the audience member because like I yeah. don't even know. It's hard for me to even think about what it's like to be an audience member anymore. Like I spend yeah. my half my life in comedy clubs, but yes. that's sort of like you're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, you know, I'm at a show. I'm gonna do that, and and then you're the yeah. volunteer. And right. you got, and you knew, you didn't know it was Farley or who Farley no, was at no. the time, but you know, he had such an effect like, you know, holy yeah. fuck, yes. that guy's funny because yes. he could push it out, man. He really did. And you know, and, and, and whatever you saw, yeah. and I'm sure you, you've heard this before, but whatever you saw on, in, in a movie or on Saturday Night Live yeah. was a fraction of, of what type of wattage he put out when you were in a room watching him. Yeah. He just was that kind of. Yeah. He just was. You could not look at the guy, and and I had read all about Belushi, who I right. loved, and right. always the same things were said about him. Yeah. And, and then I worked at, so I decided to. I, I worked at. I moved there with nothing. I, I worked at Second City. What did like, your old man Washington. say? At that point, he was super cool. He was like, "You're old," and I was twenty two. So you done the Bear Stearns thing, but, you, but he said you're old, and I was Dean's List. But you didn't finish. I didn't. Fi no but I was on. But I was rocking A's, and I said to, I called him from Chicago. Yeah, because the woman Sharna Halpern, who yeah. was there doing Improv Olympic, uh, was like, "Hey, would you want to be a you know? Would you want to perform?" Right, and I'm like, "Really? I'm like, I felt like I was being discovered. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really to you know to take classes with yeah, her, yeah. but still, it was like, here's a sign. Yeah, uh, and I talked to the bar. I talked to the owner of the club they were playing. I yeah. said, I'm a bartender. I'd been a bartender, so I was making my money uh, while I was in school. I said, if I moved out here, would you give me a gig bartending? He was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I called my dad. I said, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to move out of here. Yeah. Um, uh, and my dad was like, well, you're old enough that you know, and you're young enough that if you, if you change your mind, you could still change courses. Yeah. You did your, you did, you did your thing. Yeah. Uh, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I did, and I yeah. moved out there and, um, bartended, washed dishes at second city, uh, hosted, worked the door. Like you worked the door. Yeah. Uh, I did, I had that experience at, yeah. at, at, 
Second City. Right. And then you'd have guests come in and sit in for the sets. I'd meet Dan Aykroyd, and he'd take the staff out drinking at the Blues Bar, which yeah. is where you know he would go with Belushi back in the day. And I had read all about that because yeah, I was yeah. a huge fan of, right. of that whole group. The first crew, the and SNL was, crew. Yeah, and I was like, oh, God, all these people went here, and, and then I got to watch improv. And then I got to take classes at Second City, and I took classes at, with Dell at Improv Olympic. And, and that was when the beginning of the experience that you had, which is you're watching every night right with know. with reverence like you know yeah. you, you sort of like oh, yeah. if you have a if you feel your your soul is connected to yes. this place yes. like if you if you're so entrenched in the history of it and you, yes. you, you, you there's a legacy to it and you're like oh, how do i yeah i want to be part of this i want to yes. live and breathe this shit that, that's a powerful feeling man. It, it is and it didn't have that i've heard you speak a lot about what your experience was like at, uh, what was the comedy, comedy story yeah where there's a you know and i think the stand-up community there's always like sort of the sharks jets thing yeah, going yeah. on with the improvisers and it was always about being supportive. Always about the group, the team. Pass the ball. Don't shoot the. Don't shoot the shot. It was right. the Magic Johnson that was yeah. the one we were the fan of. Right. The one who could dish up a laugh yeah. for somebody yeah. else. Not a lot of that in stand. Not a lot of that in stand up. <laughs> and there's a competitiveness too. Yeah. That, but that has to be sublimated a lot. Right. You don't really, you know. Uh, but it's amazing, actually, listening to because listening to all of the people who are stand ups and listening to nuances of the culture and how you kind of sit here and. Uh, preside over these, you know, people making their case as to, you know, what where they get their material from, right, or, right, or right. what style of comedy they right. do. I was fascinating. Yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that, and it's like, <laughs> and this whole like, and, and you seem to be the person that they come to. They come to the garage, and you preside over what, uh, you know, who broke what rules. It's very much like, uh, you know, it's a weird. It's 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 a community. You, you know, where it is. it's a very odd community, and the, you know, and and most of the people my age or, or even a little younger, you know, you know where your sources are, but you know yes. where your sources are. But the more I talk to improv people the more i envy what it actually prepares you to do it's a whole different deal well, you I mean, work with other people like, you create with other people you know you you understand well your thing that. is like if you took somebody else's joke that's like ape killed eight you yeah. know what i mean right <laughs> so but but in improv if you even make a joke that you did the night before everybody's kind of rolling their eyes a little right bit. right like you should go up there with nothing that was dell's thing was yeah. like you should be channeling you should be you know he talked about shamanistic trances yeah. and if you got a laugh along the way that's good but yeah. if you were really down there in the in the basement with dell it was not about getting a laugh it was very much about finding the truth pulling apart something like the herald you, you take one suggestion pull it apart group mind coming up with a new take on the truth of that now we didn't always at the end of the day everybody wanted to be on snl or have a sitcom or get a movie so you were kind of, you know, you were kind of like balancing out your Not Dell. your ego. But Dell was like, you know, he was like, I was there. I had my shots. All the people I was with broke through, but I, I keep it real. And do and, you think that was an afterthought to to as a to accommodate his bitterness, or do you think he, he genuinely accepted that? I don't, you know, I, I, I always wonder that about because there's people that just stay. And they become important, and obviously he's revered, and he's important, and he's he's necessary. Uh, but you always wonder, like, well, what would it have been like? You know, would he have? He he embraced the that he's faculty, right? Like in this big school of life, like we, you and I, I think we're sort of at that transition point where we're yeah. not students on this campus right. anymore. We're right. kind of we're part of the teaching right. staff, yeah. 
Uh, and he and it was there was an elegance with which he carried that mantle and inspired and served as a beacon for people to come, not just the new people, but you would have, you know, I know like when Joel Murray started because he was on stage there and Bill was like study with Dell. Like yeah. that's what he gave the advice he gave to his little brother. Right. There was a sense that there was a, he was the keeper of the flame. Right. Mike Myers was there and would teach classes in that in their organization. Yeah. And so there was a, a sense that you're aspiring to something. Now, as far as like how much of its revisionism when you look back at your own life, I, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like he without sin, I, I, I'm guilty of the same. Sure. You know, and you don't even know when you're doing it because just by nature of telling yourself the story or retelling the tale, I'm sure everything I'm telling you is through the lens of getting enough affirmation for my ego to be able to retell whatever my experience objectively has sure been. sure but i just mean like you know i wasn't trying to, to to trivialize it but i just always wonder about that moment where you know you sort of acknowledge your limitations and you're okay with yourself like you never got the sense that dell was coming from any other place than to 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 sort of spark uh new creativity i think it. he liked that yeah i think i think remember he also kicked dope yeah and that was like a big part of his thing that's a big that's a big spiritual journey to be able to live in that. And he, and he, I got the sense that he really embraced it when that was, when it was his moment, he lived through that period of history and in that, those communities where that was part of the culture. And he was, you know, he white knuckled it all the way through. Cause I don't see him as the type of guy who got a lot of help. Right. From. Right. So that like was a 12 part of, step type of deal. So that I was think his part of his mythology. Was he gave that up. He gave up smoking. And then he was also, you know, I think he liked to blow minds. He was sort of that hippie who liked to blow minds yeah, and yeah, freak yeah. people out. Yeah. And he did it. And, yeah. and but it was, you know, at the end of the day, there was a there was a generosity in teaching and and paying forward the tradition and uh, and sharing stories. And it gave us insight into the glory days where you don't you didn't always feel that from the culture that you know what was so great about chicago is that it, it, chicago became like a beacon for people like me to come to and it was that collection of people that created this well, you know well it's interesting because the legacy that you were chasing was uh, you know belushi and Aykroyd yeah. and those guys yeah. but you know the generation you know the compass players i mean that was elaine may and mike nichols and yeah. shelly berman and like there was a whole other thing going you yeah. know in the in the 50s right but it was not i don't know that the cultural relevance was the same you know now you know chicago is is the primary uh uh geographical incentive for most comedy right now is it Kinda. I mean, most of the people that are, are on the on on television shows and whatnot, yeah. you know, came out of uh, sketch and improv. If you really yeah. think about yeah. it, yeah, it's a good training ground, um, especially if you're not that character oriented. Because, as Dell would say, it's there's not a lot of high paying work for experts in character. Uh huh. Because you're going to be playing some version of yourself, and that's why stand up in many ways is is good because you cultivate a persona. Except that that, that persona is solitary. You know the thing about right. the persona in, right. in improv, it's like you're it's it's very it works with other people well. You know, with stand up, it's like this is me talking. Why are you talking? I'm right, talking. right. No, there's a there's definitely a, room for a mix, but there's people who like. I think the people who really catapult, like Adam McKay, was yeah. a guy who started off in stand up yeah. in Philly, but then when he hit Chicago, he was like ready to. You know, that was the whole, like, all the U UCB thing. There was, like, a whole new generation that was coming in as I w when I was there already that brought uh, a lot of 
a lot of fresh energy. And, and, and also, I think it seemed to, it didn't encourage sort of like, well, you know, you want to run a show or you want to direct something or you want to write some stuff with some yeah. other people. Yeah. That there was a lot of that always going on to yeah. do a new, like, yes. let's do it at this bar here. Yeah. And, let, uh, maybe Second City will notice us if we put up a show and we get a good review in the reader. Oh, that was like, a, that was yeah. a lot of it. And then you realize that, you know, by the time Second City finally wanted me to be in the touring company after yeah. like lighting candles for it on a nightly basis, it was after I was already in Rudy. <laughs> And I was already in a in a big Hollywood movie, and I kind of realized I, I kind of skipped the step. You know, I didn't. I, I got the experience of you, you washing the dishes you, you and being there. You didn't do the touring company. I never got to do that, and I dreamed of it. You know, it was a big dream, and then and then you realize it's 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 the journey. Yeah, it's the experience of being around those people, and and then a lot of that. I think if I had stuck around, then we would have become the established upperclassmen there. Yeah. But I, I I got out before that all happened well, but, but i got to be a part of uh, see what was happening improv olympic the annoyance theater ucb yeah. forming right when it was just a comedy group right uh and and uh and dell and dell and i got to be there well you know in the last couple years of his life uh, and and get that experience how did he blow your mind do you remember uh, you know, like was there a, a, a pivotal moment where you're like holy fuck i never thought of it like that <laughs> no i think you know I, you know i think it was there was a certain you know, we weren't uh, acolytes. It was definitely one of the flavors of ice cream you got to sample when right. you were in town. But there was a group that sort of defined themselves by being coming from that school as opposed to doing comedy sports or doing sure. Second City or, you know, game-oriented comedy. Right. You were doing the, you know, you were sort of, it was sort of like what in the stand-up scene, yeah. what's going on with like, I don't know, alternative, I guess is what right. it was called. There's a different thing than than somebody who's doing a, a prop comedy. The mainstream, yeah, but, but Dell, like, not in alternative. Dell was like the OG. Right, but he know. was like a Buddha. I mean, you know, with, with yeah. alternative comedy, it was a bunch of us saying, like, you know, we, this mainstream thing, we got to figure out a different audience because we know our people right. are out there. So it's there. an oligarchy versus a, right. a monarchy, but, uh, but uh, you know, or a religious theocracy. Right. But, but it still was that type of everybody had their angle on it. And then there were the stand up people who would, who would sort of wander in. And, right. and it was clear that they were dusting off some shit that they had been working up, uh, and it that there was no no we don't that 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 was he'd take those people down. Yeah, but it, his takedown he was like a sensei. It was yeah. like a dojo. And yeah, he would just, you know, you'd see somebody walk in. Yeah. Uh, and and get just pinned to the mat. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. or he'd send his black belts out to yeah. be on stage and police the. You know, police police the stage a little bit. Corner them into being in the moment. A little bit. You yeah, know, they yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah. it's all using their own weight against them. Yeah, and like yeah. a guy like Keckner who was on here, I mean, he was like, when he was there when I got there yeah. and he was always like a very facile, quick, uh, you know, and then he also had, you know, he's physically big, big yeah. personality, does big characters, yeah, yeah. Uh, but quick, yeah. you know, quick and smart. Yeah. But he was very much the Dell, like the house team of Dell's group when I first got there. <laughs> so, you know, you learn quick. You sort of policed yourself as like a prison yard. Yeah. You, you don't go for the dick joke. You don't go for the, you know, there's certain things that are not and when you take easy. The, when you take those out of the arsenal, the emotional risk is elevated. Like yes. the, the risk is elevated. He, sort of like, if yes. I can't go to the, the yes. laugh that I know yeah. will happen, yes. I'm going to have to go deeper for this thing. It is. And then the best one is, of course, the reactive one that they know you didn't walk on stage with that in your pocket. Right. When something happened that you don't even remember. Yeah. And you're in that zone. Yeah. And that's when you realize that you're accessing either something, a, a larger spirit, your deepest self, mm -hmm. your, your subconscious, whatever you want to call it, there is something not 
there's something bigger Other, than bigger than, than you happening. It's the best feeling on stage it when is. when you just you know you're you're just in this place and yeah. you you seize that moment where or, where you don't have that like should I say that it's already you know it's yeah. coming out yeah and and then it's like that's never going to happen again yes. whatever just happened that's not that's gone and when you find somebody who's loose enough that they could just channel that stuff and yeah. it just comes out yeah, they, yeah. Uh, then then that's that's the people that you start watching and start wanting to and you can't not everybody could get there and you know but you learn to there are other tools that you you do learn that do apply really well to a life in in the arts like you have to write if you're going to put your show up and you can't be precious because every week you got to come up with something so yeah. there's no there's no writer's block because right. you just crank it out and it's gone the next week. Right. That was a very valuable tool. Uh, Self-editing. Yeah. Because you're doing long form, so you got to know when to jump off the back line, edit the scene. Uh, character progression. And when you're writing, you're just improvising as different characters in yeah. front of your typewriter right. with yourself. Right. So it was a tremendously good skill set. I look at people like Tina Fey, who yeah. I w unfortunately didn't overlap with. She was right. there right after I was there. But I watch it like 30 Rock and I'm like... They're, they've got that sensibility that creates that smart, even when the comedy's dumb, it's smart. Right. And it's quick yeah. and it's inspired and uh, the, it's it's a rhythm thing. It's yeah, a sport. Yeah. It's not a written, it doesn't feel written. It feels like you're they're playing. Right. And that's really, I really enjoy that. So how did you get pulled out to do, like, you know, when you were offered Rudy, how did that happen? It just happened, man. I was like auditioning. In and, Chicago. And it was in Chicago. I was kind of like the local hire because they were shooting in South Bend. Yeah. I happened to look like the dude. I had, I was in a you good way. You look a little way. burly. I was a little burly. I wasn't a football player, but I was a, a guy who was kind of burly and, and, uh, they needed the best friend, and yeah. I was cheap, and I was there, and I was just on it, and the director was there, and I, and I didn't, I was working on a TV show there. I was doing like day roles, and for a um, local TV show, for I think Untouchables, I was like a box, I was like a ref in a boxing ring, like the people they won't fly out because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. too expensive, so they give you one line, yeah, and you're like building a whole resume around it. Uh -huh. uh, so I was like a pig in shit, man. So I, by the time I got in, I'm like I was working. I just they told me I should come in. I didn't have a lot of time with the lines yeah because uh, i just got this and i was working um and said so, and, and david onspot was like it says on your resume here that you're an improviser i said yes he says well then were you lying go ahead and let's see <laughs> improv <laughs> i oh so i could leave the script i was like fine and yeah. i knew the beats and and you know and the guy I was reading opposite was uh angelo piso who was the writer yeah and i was just you know I was just shoe shining them and, and you know it was funny and the room was alive and I was happy to be performing it and yeah. I didn't think I could ever get the part and then right. I got the part and uh, again on my birthday I found out and they sent a limo took me to South Bend the next day and there I was uh, in South Bend with you know Sean Astin and Charles Dutton and in the read the script the script brought tears to my eyes it was so special and nice and and um and then you think of course i'm starring in a hollywood movie it's going to be a big hit and i'm going to be a big star yeah and swingers was kind of about the experience of having moved to la thinking that i had it made now uh i was around dozens of other people who had had one big break and they were they're all they had enough money they didn't need a job but they were all sitting around with fuck all to do and they're You'd hanging out the social and scene. stuff auditions you're hanging out or yeah. you know and for me it was like um the, i had I ended up breaking up with the girl i was living with in chicago it was heartbreaking yeah well, what, so, they, so okay so you do the movie and then how yeah. long like you know what were the steps from from that experience to you know going back to bartending and saying i gotta get the fuck out of here i didn't i didn't go back i was like it's time to go out and do the chicago uh la thing so you're you gonna do pilot season but you go back right. and now you're getting some work and, right 
but then I I had to stay and and I I was um, but when I was in Rudy I didn't I, every day I was on the set even when I wasn't working and yeah. I was sitting watching asking questions watching the cameraman asking questions to everybody because I had done extra work you could never had access to that part of the set so right. to me it was like they let me in the playground was it an early curiosity I mean were, yeah. were the directing thing yeah I would well I mean film right. I would sneak on sets my dad would take me downtown to like the theater 80 on St. Mark's or you know, it was before DVD, uh, CDs or uh, VCRs, so I would see Kurosawa films downtown and yeah. Scorsese films, and I would love. Was that something your dad was into as yeah. well? Yeah, he would bring me down, and they were they were they were split up, so he would take me, and we would go to the movies, and yeah. and, um, and and you know, back then it seems like it was. I saw far more R-rated movies than I probably should have, but everybody was. It was sure. a different time. Well, it was New York too. It was yeah. New York. Parents it, were different around New York. It, it, maybe it was. Yeah. And, and then you go to the theater and you hear it's a good thing. So I was watching like The Godfather and Godfather Two, and it you know, just blows your mind when you're oh yeah when you're a tween. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Hell yeah. And and so that especially because your dad was into it too. That was good. Yeah, he was into it. He's like, check this out. You're gonna yeah. like this. You yeah. Know? And then he's like, you want to see a gang movie? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. West Side Story. So now I'm ready for it. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like just a musical to me. I'm right. Like, this is the real shit. Did you see theater too as a kid? We did. We would do like standing room only. We would see uh, Count Dracula. Uh, we'd see Dracula um, uh, over and over again. Grease over and over again. Well, Frank Langella was uh-huh, in Dracula. Uh-huh. And, and whatever was there, we'd watch it, you know, a, a buck 50 or five bucks, you get to stand along the uh-huh, rail in the uh-huh. back. And it was great. You know, you're a kid. I remember that now that I have, I have kids. I'm like, come on, let's go to the let's yeah. go to the the, the Cinematheque. Is your old man still stuff. around? Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's very proud. Yeah, yeah, he must be. Yeah, he's happy because he was an old. He he wanted to be a folk singer and had to kind of give it up when he was starting to get his break and pressed his first like indie uh, album. What in the late sixties? Yeah, with the, with yeah, the, or mid sixties. The mid sixties during the the folk explosion. Yeah, and he was sort of more the you know he was in college so he was sort of like the traveling. Like when Phil college. Von Ronk was a. Uh, the guy like Dylan was a guy and it was Dylan but you know they were they were like sweaters and right. and, and college kids and, right you know I think the Rhodes Scholars was right. his name or something and, and and he had to give it up because he was getting married and having me so there's that kind of whole not he didn't get to do it <laughs> and they all got married too young back then I know anyway, absolutely in early 20s and um, you know so it's like go girl go to me just to you know live it bring him with me and you know, so that's been that's been good. Isn't and, that interesting though that that generation, because the generation we come from, and I think you're a little younger than me, but but that you know you're gonna you're gonna generally pursue your dream no matter what. There's yeah. a narcissism to it, yes. they, but there was a sense of a familial responsibility yeah. then, like it was just what you did. Yeah, but there don't don't get me wrong. There was a sense of I got to earn money. Uh, and I have to make a practical decision here. I didn't have a kid or a wife, but I was you know For I you. wanted I really wanted to be a fireman. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I took the test. I, I um, you know, I studied for it. I took classes for it. Like that seemed to me after working on Wall Street, I like wanted to find something I was passionate about. And everybody I spoke to as a fireman was like, they loved their job. And that was not something I encountered all the time. And right. I wasn't somebody who like wanted the the kill or the big house or the, right. you know, I didn't have that competitive, that type of competitive streak to me. But the idea of being a fireman and I'm kind of lazy and you can pursue other things and, and be of service as well. And then when the shit goes down, you're there and you're yeah. running in the door and up the stairs. You yeah. Know? Like I yeah. thought that was cool. And, you know, 
being from Queens and blue collar neighborhoods, it, you know, that was sort it of was definitely something. It was that some, was a big thing that some people for. did. But I mean, like just in terms of artistic, I wasn't talking about you directly, but your old man, you know, he had this thing. He was probably into it. He was having a good yeah, time. But yeah. you know, he realized, like, you know, well, I mean, what's important is is you know the family. Yeah. He watched Woodstock <laughs> on TV with yeah. me in his arms. You yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> you know, is the story I hear. So it was a, you know, it was a different. I could have been there, kind of, but yeah. you know, probably better you weren't. You know, it worked out good. Yeah, and and um, you know, whatever led led us all to where we are. Uh, you know, I, I don't ever second guess. I really think there's more to it, and I. Yeah, you got. I, I try uh, to accept the the hard stuff with the good stuff. Beyond fate, you have a a god in, engaged. I think so. I yeah. think you know, and I think some of that comes from. I think we're very similar. Hearing yeah. you speak hours and hours, yeah. and the <laughs> you god keep, you keep saying that was it, but I it's have, true. <laughs> but it feels like you know. I feel yeah. like you know a poker player who's mm-hmm. watched somebody else play a lot of hands, <laughs> and I know how you play. I just. <laughs> And I think we sort of share a very similar take on things yeah. and, and, and a similar uh, uh, pluses and minuses yeah. with, with the way we face the world. And I think the difference is, you know, kids. I think kids changes your perspective. Well, I mean, what, that's the one difference. That, before that you I had see. kids. Yeah. What were, so, you know, in, in terms of, because obviously, you know, you've done all right out here. <laughs> in in hollywood and you know there were struggles but obviously you were a guy that showed up for work and 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 figured out a way to to socialize and 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 make alliances uh but what were the plagues that you know what were what were these dark the darker times for you so you're out here and before you wrote swingers i mean was there was there a period where you're like all the fuck did i do it's all dark you know that You know, you're enjoying great success here too. You know, you're but there's dark, I, there is that is the human condition. We are all but what's broken. The, what's your particular plague? It's you know, it's probably seeing things through the lens of early pain. So you tend yeah. to not be the optimist that life dictates. But you are, you, be. are you a jealous guy? Or are you a uh, like you're down on yourself? I mean, like when you there, it, it varies. The not really jealous. Because I've always used that as a as a kick in the ass to say I should you know make yeah. make my line longer Don't right kind of try cut their line right it, right it gives you it inspires you because it's like shit I could be doing that right you know? and that's a health that's why it, that's why we're wired with it yeah I should write why shouldn't I write a screenplay right I read this I don't like what I'm reading right this is a big thing why don't I go for it you know and I've always been the type that of all the things I'm self conscious about. Uh, risk aversion is not one of the things I suffer from when it comes to career stuff. Right. I will swing for my heels and I will strike out in an exciting way. You Put know? yourself out there. And, and then, and then wonder why I'm, you know, why I'm bleeding. But, but, uh, you know, I can, I can work the high steel, you know, uh, thankfully. Yeah. And I think that comes from a, a very nurturing young life with yeah. a very, two very loving parents that yeah. taught me that the blocks that I built are, you know, let's get the camera. Yeah. Yeah. This is you know, a genius. This is a genius, you know, and yeah. it, 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 you know, parents, that, that goes a, a long way, man. It really does. And then and then you throw on top of that, you know, the big rug pulls of, of my, you know, teen years uh, and tween years. And, and yeah. that's, you know, you get that weird combo and that's me. And yeah. so, yes, there's there is a looming sense of something very bad is going to happen. A looming sense of this is all going away. A looming sense of I didn't do enough. And then you have to work on that. And that's why you become less prolific and because you're not chasing it as much because you're working on the real stuff yeah. and you're getting happier and you're starting to 
understand how you fit into the world and you start to prepare yourself for when you're not going to be in the world anymore because <laughs> yeah. you're standing at that wonderful apex where you could see your birth and you could see just an equal distance side. to the other yeah. side yeah. and it yeah. gives you a very uh, valuable perspective on what your priorities should be, especially when you have children. Right. Well, when you were doing, when how did you meet Vince? I met him on the set of Rudy. He had gotten cast off of a tape. They were they were trying to find people. He was not living in Chicago at the time, though he w- he was from there. Right. And he was a guy who was uh, cutting you know uh, cutting his teeth in just the casting circuits. He was a good looking guy out here. He had star quality, and but he was always either the bad kid yeah or second place to the star yeah. you know and never quite but he was funny as shit and we would have nothing but time on our hands because when you're the new kids and you cost 2500 a week or whatever it yeah. was yeah they keep you marinating in your hotel room in south bend for yeah, yeah, you know eight yeah. weeks and you got nothing to do while they fly in the stars and right, right. board around them yeah so here we are with, um, you know, just having a good old time with per diem, like, you know, like we fucking hit the lottery. <laughs> like, I'll have a bottle of wine with that. You know, if you don't order it, you're just going to pay it in taxes. You got to yeah. write it off. Right. Uh, you know, and so I remember I opened up a bank account with my checks in, 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 in South Bend. Like, yeah. I don't I who would ever think to do that? On location, I opened up a bank account right, right. and paid all my credit card debts. So it was a wonderful time. And, and. And then when I decided to go out to Hollywood, he was my one dude I knew. Right. And, and when I went out there, uh, he was showing me around and every woman looked like a 10 to me. And yeah. it was just, yeah. you know, and I was, uh, and I had just been broken up with because I had, you know, been, I had, you know, selfishly and ignorantly not paid any attention to my relationship. I never went home. I just stayed on the well, set. How old were you? I was 26, maybe. Eh, forgivable. It's forgivable. I wasn't. I wasn't coming from a bad place, but but it was. You know, you don't. You get caught up in these. This whole new world's open to you, and so I didn't. You know, I didn't. You know, it it didn't. It didn't work out. And you know, at that age, who knows relationships? It's so. It's yeah, so I mean, hard. you know, yeah. It, you, but at the time, you're learning. At the time, you know, it, yeah. This was, you know, this was. This well, that was, turned out to be sort of the the backstory of swingers. That's right? what it exactly what it was. You know, I was just going through that pain, and you know, especially when you take that. You know, you're saying, what's your darkness? Well, you know, you take somebody who suffered loss young and then you lay that against, you know, these the relationships with these poor women take on such a so much more significance. Uh, Cause because you're kind of looking for that. You're kind of on some level, but you yeah. don't know you are. You just yeah. think that's the way the world is. And so, so the heavy heartedness, a lot, of, pain, a lot yeah. of heavy heart. Yeah. And, but a lot of hope, I think too, yeah. you know, in all of them. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I didn't know I was writing about my life. I was just going to write a screenplay. My you dad really got didn't? me. I didn't. My dad got me final draft. I, I started writing. And, you know, after like four pages, it's like, shit, this looks like a real script, yeah. you know? Uh, let me keep going. <laughs> That's the great thing about Final Draft. It is. It looks like it's like paginated <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and like the margins yeah, are right. It's great. And uh, I was like, well, I guess the guy lives in this neighborhood. And <laughs> yeah. I, guess he dri- I guess he's going to that bar. Right. And I guess right. his friend talks like this. And next right. thing you know, it was like me. Uh, but I didn't think it was me when I wrote it. It uh-huh. was complete fiction, uh-huh. just like you know, whatever uh, Stardust Memories. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with me. It's just, right. you know, just sure. arbitrarily selecting things. So, uh, and so we, people wanted to buy the script, and I figured it was at least worth me doing, uh, you know, uh, a staged reading right. before they asked me to change all right. these notes that they were going to have me change, and also cast it with people that you know I want to at least give my friends a shot at playing parts that I based on. Yeah, them. yeah. And the the stage reading went so well that my agent at the time, Cynthia Shelton, to her credit, yeah. uh, and I had gotten a good agent off of Rudy, so I was at UTA at the time, and she was like, 
don't sell it, make it. Mm-hmm. And so that was like another year of trying to get money together and trying to direct the thing and just couldn't get the money together. But you're always so working as an actor. A little bit. Enough that I, and I always kept my expenses low. Yeah. Uh, so I was like in PCU, but or it got cut out of Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle, yeah. where I did, um, you know, uh, enough. Yeah. Not commercials, but I was doing enough stuff and, you know, pilots that didn't go right. as an actor. and But, you know, it's a lot of money when you don't, ha- you know, when you're not used to having anything. Right. You know, you get a week's work and you get, you know, whatever it is, yeah. four, four figures, five yeah. figures, you're, yeah. you know, you're, that's, that's crazy money when yeah, you're sure. used to bartending oh, yeah. Hell and yeah. washing dishes. Hell yeah. Uh, and I lived up in, right across from the, you know, uh, up on Franklin, right by everybody was there Pig. when they move in. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived on Chiramoya when I first uh-huh. moved here. So it was a great spot. Yeah, you know, it was just it was it was a little edgier than it is now. It was before the UCB was there. It was you but know, you could still walk. There was a block you could walk to, so you kind of felt like right. I can walk to whatever I need. There's Gelson's, and, and being a New Yorker was always right. I was always attracted to neighborhoods sure. where yeah. you could walk. And to that goes place. away after a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. I still have it. I still like to not have to get in a car yeah, yeah, on yeah, a day yeah. I'm not working. Yeah, uh, there's something nice about that. So Doug, Doug came along. Doug Lyman was mm-hmm. like, because I was asking him questions. He was a, a friend of mine who was a director. I was like, tell me about lenses because I may have to direct this thing. Tell me about the way a crew is structured. Tell me. I just got to ask him all the things I didn't understand. Right. And then he was really taken with the script and he was able to raise the money, a very small amount, but he was able to shoot it that way. And he said, look, if you let me do it, I'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do this. But it's not for the money you think you need. I'll do it. We'll shoot it like a student film. Yeah. And let's, uh, you know, and like Clerks had happened and... uh you know, and and what Rodriguez was doing. So there's like a whole new wave of filmmakers who were making do with not a lot of dough. Right. And we just did it real scrappy. I said, but you got to use my friends. And he was like, all right, you know. Uh, and, and then it, you know, one of those moments where just the bread falls jelly side up enough times with all the shit that went wrong, enough went right. We didn't get into Sundance. It felt like a big failure. And then we did a crew screening, invited people. And just after Sundance happened, we figured we'd do our screening and um and that's when uh, people it played like gangbusters uh over at the theater on uh down by kosher canyon over there the theater on uh silent movie it? theater uh, right right up the block from the silent movie yeah. theater on mel uh, was it melrose and fairfax yeah. right, right 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 uh and, and there was whatever the we, we the we five hi- screens are across from the last we, factory. We hired that place out, right yeah and, and and um and 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 it there was more than one buyer because there were some buyers, so you got a little bidding thing a going. Bidding thing going. Next thing you know, Miramax, uh, you know, paid like five million for something. And you didn't have to go to Sundance. Isn't that fucking amazing? We didn't. We, I would have loved to, you know, because right. I had been to Sundance the year before with yeah. the script under my arm. You right. Know, right. Uh, trying to. But it was, must have been sort it. of a good feeling, a good little fuck kind you kind of. A eh, little bit, <laughs> you know. I was happy, you know. But you know, as you, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when something really, really good happens, yeah, where you jump a couple notches, yeah, it's the most overwhelming experience and and uh shocking and uh paralyzing experience you could have it's almost like something bad happening <laughs> and i remember i saw vince we were driving i was driving on sunset one way he was driving the other way and he was i was turning into like the guy that everybody wanted to either write or direct something yeah, yeah. and he was the movie star because yeah. now they finally saw what he could do and he finally played that persona that really was him right which he hadn't really brought to the screen yet and people saw the value in that and so he was on fire I was getting more, you know, uh, more interest than I had ever had. We we're going e- e- opposite ways on Sunset, and we parked. I said, "How you doing?" He goes, "Miserable." I'm like, "Me too." 
<laughs> like in the middle of all the blinding attention. Well, that's uh, it's, it's sort it's, of like it, it makes you it makes you it it's you it, want the rocket to keep together. I mean, you you don't want it to break apart and launch. You I know? guess I, I, I imagine that's amazing amount of excitement, but the pressure of it, like you know, now you got to show up. Now the lights guess, on you. I don't even know what it. it it's just we're not you know we're not designed to shift too far one way or the other. Uh -huh. it's the gradual. Uh huh. You know, it's like those deep water fish. You bring them to the surface, yeah. and they just like yeah. Mine's explode. been a very slow. Uh, <laughs> and I and and and, and I've had p bumps of it, yeah. but for the most part, I feel like it's it 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 slowly grows compared right. to what I would have hoped it would have been from time to time. Mm -hmm. With movies that have bombed or mm -hmm. parts I didn't get. What or, bombed? Oh, I, Cow Cowboys and Aliens was was a uh, it went, it didn't bomb, but it was I definitely was uh, I I definitely was it was definitely a pillow party. I I just saw it recently yeah. and I and I yeah. loved it. Oh, I, thank I, you. I, I had no idea. Zathura bombed. Huh? Uh, Zathura bombed. A movie called Zathura that I did. Yeah. Uh, years ago, um, after Elf. So like I've had great success, but there's also been very humbling. Well, what failure. was this? What was this thing with with Cowboys and Aliens? I I, I think it must have been uh, yeah a, a hard thing to market. I mean because it's a legitimate western with an interesting twist with a funny name, you know, and 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 it just didn't. I it, it just, was shot beautifully. Thank you. I, and I and I honestly really feel like it's it's you know uh, of course you always feel this way about your latest work. Oh, yeah. but I feel like it's the most evolved work I've done. And 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 it was plus I mean the experience of working with Spielberg and Ron Howard and Brian Grazier and and Kurtzman and Orsi and David Lindelof and and then Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig. It was one of those things where, you know, so when you achieve a certain amount of success, you're the expert. Yeah. And now every time you sit in a room, you're the expert. And right. you're going to decide and give these platitudes of what makes, if it bends, it's funny. If yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, you're that guy. Yeah. And, but you don't have, it's hard to have a master and, and to have somebody to learn from. And so to, to be able to sit with Spielberg in an editing room yeah. or Ron Howard or be able to call him up and ask him for advice on how to handle something, yeah. because these are two dudes who, they have families, they have lives, they have uh, longevity, yeah. and they have um, such varied such varied uh, of, of a resume of yeah. work and right. of genres right. that they've done. They're also wizards. They're wizards, they yeah. are. They're high priests, yeah. and, and, it's, and to be able to be with them and to be able to uh, sit and just just to hear the stories yeah just to hear spielberg talking about what it was like being at the tapings of the first season of saturday night live i mean it all like it's such a, a mind-blowing uh, uh or not not to mention film i mean to have him screen um uh the searchers for us his print of the searchers and to sit behind us and give give his commentary on why john ford did what he did was. Well, it seems like you paid a, a fairly, uh, you know, beautiful tip of the hat to that, to the scope of those Westerns. and Because I noticed that when I was watching it, it's like, you yeah, know, this dude watched some fucking movies. We did, man. And it was like, but I was trying to impress them. I was right. like, see, I listened, you know. Yeah. But it was something about, you know, but then I sort of learned the lesson of you could make the best bacon Sunday, yeah. you know, yeah, in the yeah. world. And if people don't want to eat that flavor of ice cream or they don't want... 
that and especially I think the name was misleading and then you forget that it's like so many names were associated with it that it was seen as the big dog whereas we felt we were underdogs in how obscure the material was so the expectation was high I think it was a combination of all those things there's a whole zeitgeist element that I benefited from and I suffered from and and you have to disassociate from it well I I also think that just by my experience was with it was is this a comedy and then when I watched it I'm like no it's a western it just got this thing. Yeah. The thing. <laughs> it, it but I the think alien. the name the name that was so interesting and, and uh made everybody think it was gonna be a comedy and you know, maybe it you know, maybe it would have been better served with a different vision. But when you have, you know, Spielberg and Ron Howard like developing a script and saying we we think go go, go for it hard. The, I'm like, I'll go hard, man. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. And and I love it. You know, I I embrace it and you think you could you know, it's always the trick of how can you get the big summer movie with the big budget where you could play with all the toys yeah but yet do something interesting with it right and you know with iron man i had been spoiled because it worked out you know i did really unusual casting you know yes and no i mean part of me is always like it's going to bomb a part of me is like this is going to be the best movie in the world well but but i mean when you got that opportunity i mean obviously you'd done you done made and you'd done a lot of acting and and you did some other stuff but i mean elf was the big one that gave me got me a seat at the directing table that would be a director isn't that interesting yeah because it was a hit yeah and it was and it was and i really love it you know I, i think it was successful in what we set out to do and and it was a big part of of Will's career, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. uh, and and it was a good mix of all the people, a lot of the Chicago people, yeah, Amy yeah. Sedaris, and yeah. you know, it's a great cast, and yeah. great, uh, even the supporting roles, and it was just one of those moments where it had, you know, and it was the right time after nine yeah. eleven, where right. I was like, here's New York, how I remember seeing right. it as a kid, and here's yeah. and and the world, and, and the Empire State Building isn't a target for terrorism; it's the setting for a children's movie, right? You know, you forget, but back then. Even shooting in those landmark areas, it was very sensitive to be able to have access to those locations because New York was still kind of reeling from from that. And I certainly was, even though I was out here, you know, watching it on TV and I, you know, um, I used to work right there and lost people. And uh, and You knew people? I had a cousin. Yeah, a cousin was... And and it was... um, And it it was awful out here, but I felt like I... That was the that was the, you know your the, heart was there. It it was it, it, so silly, but it was as simple as I was always taught. You knew which way was south, which way was downtown, but yeah. you look up where the towers were because yeah, you yeah. could see them from anywhere. Right, and you look up now, and I mm-hmm. still do it, and I still look up because that's what I learned since I was little. Yeah, and and they're not there. Yeah, and it's like such a great metaphor for this. You know, you lose your compass, yeah. and it was, and you know, and look, it's remarkable, and I'm so grateful that not really anything's happened since because because at the time remember you thought this was coming every every year another treat you know yeah uh uh, and it was it was just it just threw everything it just changed it was like that like in boogie nights when the 80s happened on like the murder it's like that happened and all of a sudden boom welcome to it didn't happen at y2k we were all like bracing for it but in 2001 the world changed and it and it has and it's a different yeah everything and, and uh and so, so Elf was like, let's, you know, it was like bringing innocence back to the city and, 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 uh, and I really adored Will and he's just such a great spirit so funny. and, 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 and uh, the people I got to collaborate with on that, but it, but it gave me a seat at the table cause nobody expected much and it broke through and, and the real, the real success of it for me, the thing I'm most proud of is that we're in the rotation now on the, on the Christmas television that was what we always hoped would happen and that's one of one of the biggest uh one of the biggest gift for the kids one of the things i'm most proud of i'm part of our culture yeah uh through that 
You yeah, know, that Rudy pops up every year. I'm very yeah. proud of that one. Yeah. And Swinger's still even like I have six. Well, Swinger's a classic. Up. Yeah, but you think it's going to go away? It's a little indie, but you know, sixteen year olds will come up to me. Yeah, I saw the movie, and you know, it got me through a breakup. I'm like, oh, God yeah. bless you. And it, like it speaks to something. Like you know, I remember the one that uh, the swing dancing was happening. Even, yes. even though that trend is is no longer you around, you probably hated that. Then. Well, I, I don't. You know, I don't go out for that kind of stuff. I know, but, but it looked like you were having fun. We were. <laughs> that's so that's so patronizing. But I appreciate it. It's yes, I was having fun. No. Yeah. No, no, no. You I, look I, like you were having a good time. No, it was. It looks yeah. fun. I just don't have. I'm it was not fun. Too, I, you're I, not I, a joiner. You're a. That's right. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? No, right. sure it is. Of it is. It but is, I like. Yeah. But I do. I was having fun, and it was. A, it was. A, I like that culture, but, that but kind just, of music, and but, then, and of course, it's a trend, and it went away, and I still like. But that despite kind of music. that, my point was that you know the movie, the heart of the movie is is about a guy who you know who is going through a breakup, yes. and he has this one kind of friend, and yes. I think that relationship and your feelings are sort of timeless. So yes. it, does, it doesn't, you know, it's not Thank hanging it's, on it's, a trend. It, but it seemed at the time it was. Uh-huh. It seemed that that was the, you know, that was the... It's the Hollywood at that moment. It's, it's, a, it's a very ephemeral, right. this is now yeah, a snapshot, that, but really it's always the... Uh, it, it's always the story. It's always those Joseph Campbell story elements that yeah. make it yeah. uh, any story timeless. And there are some that you could keep going back to. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we're just doing the same. It, the closer you adhere to the, the classic myths, the the more likely you are to... to, to what are those in your mind? The the hero, oh, the rise of the hero. You know, yeah. hero of the thousand faces. Yeah. That's the reason Star Wars yeah. is evergreen. Right. Um, and And the ones that get it closest to it last the longest because there is some collective subconscious that Jungian thing where we all share this common cultural dream and we want to hear that story told and it's a life affirming story and it's a story about hope and reward and faith and 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 giving up the the ego of the individual for the collective good and I think that that's something that that is either part of God or part of our deep 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 DNA teleological yeah. desires yeah, I that, believe that that um you want and to be part whether of it's one or the other is irrelevant to yeah. me. So um, Iron Man was good then for that. Iron Man was very much that. Yeah, you know, yeah. And that was more, you know, the story of Joseph a little yeah. bit, like the guy who who redeems himself, who's yeah. not, who's an unsavory character, yeah. who is, uh, you know, wound into his own ego. But uh-huh. but the thing with the the, the really the the stroke of of uh, of of brilliance was Downey. You yeah. know, he was the he's really. It was not just that it was him, but it was him at that moment having paid his dues and having a, a spiritual redemption. Yeah. Not only his acting dues, but his dues to society. The and, whole it literally with yeah. his time and, yeah. and and to sit across. But he was somebody who'd been through this twelve step sobriety, yeah. embraced it, yeah. and was came out the other end of the tunnel glowing and yeah. that's when I met him. So yeah. there was a radiance to him. Yeah. And nobody ever questioned his talent. And it was like this I knew if I could get him that every decision from the movie would be obvious. Yeah. That he was I, there was a there was a path. He was the guy. He was if I had him, yeah. I understood how to make every choice from there. And yeah. that was the that was my biggest contribution was the the was the uh you know, was the knife fight to get him to star. And once he starred most of the work was done. He 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 must be forever grateful. He, he's you know I adore him. Uh, you know, but you uh, we, turned you turned around the the you turned it all. It around. did, and that's and that and, and I gave him a ch- you know sometimes that's the highest form you know of of you know giving letting somebody do it for themselves yeah. is the most gratifying form yeah. of 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 connection. It's not it, there's nothing charitable about it. It is purely pointing the spotlight at the person that is ready uh-huh. and watching them do it and i've and i've helped uh 
and been helped by so many talented people that it that's part of the fun yeah. you know to to see vince launch or to see uh, will ferrell uh, break into a new level of his yeah. career downy yeah it's it's and sometimes i'm off uh, by a movie or two but i i have a really good eye and i really appreciate talented people <laughs> yeah who could do w- what i could do better than i can do or who i could help see what they do well and help them uh, and generate material or support that and to even if they can't see it in themselves that's that, that's that spirit of the uh of the Chicago. improv the improv thing yeah it is very much that and your kids now how you have two kids i have three and that, that, that 11, 11, uh, 11, nine and, and six. And, and that has changed you in the sense that, uh, you know, you realize that, uh, life is fragile and beautiful and, and you just want to keep and working you get and, a little bit more, uh, open-minded to the idea of, of, of God in the more traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the wisdom of the ages, yeah. you start to see what, what that is and that it's really, um, if we can do anything to lighten the burden of the next generation by not having to make the mistakes that we have, yeah, which you know that's what mytho- that's what the the mythic stories are about, uh-huh. you know, uh, giving them a good sense of faith in the world, uh-huh. you know, and as sad as 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 moments of my films are, there's hopefully a hopefulness to all of them. Ultimately, I never uh, thought they got too dark. They're sad. They're sad. Yeah, but but they're they're, all they're sad. but. But they're sad in the way that that in, in my mind, you, you, your character is not a broken character as much as it is, you know, a, a sensitive and heavy-hearted character. I, I maybe I mean, you may know better than me because I, I, I don't. I only notice the pattern as though I'm looking at somebody else's work. I don't intend any of it. Yeah. But I do see that whether it's Elf or Cowboys and Aliens or yeah. Iron Man yeah. or Swingers, there is a sense that the world uh, has. There is there is a sorrowfulness to, you know, the world as it's presented to us, but there is a way to prevail over that through, through a tenacity and and uh, and, and a positive worldview and and pushing through the fear into into faith, which I think is really the ultimate. It's certainly the struggle I'm engaged in. It seems to be the human condition is fear versus faith. Is sure. it going to oh, work out? A, yeah. You know, is it going to be yeah. okay? Yeah. Do you just it's going to have to jump be. in a leap of faith <laughs> and and i see you know and i and i and i see that as um p- part of the the way you know you change the world ever so slightly with what you do and what you present yeah and if you could impart that a little bit and i think i feel my career has that thing you know i i feel like i've i've um you know when i've taken chances i've gotten knocked down but you always you know you do get what you need ultimately and you'll get your shot and and you just got to try and and pick yourself up um and and it's it's funny that you sit and see see me as somebody who where everything's been you know green lights but no, uh, I, don't, honestly, I don't see that. But the ratio has been, you know, there's definitely been much more disappointment. I, I, so it's I, just you get a, a few good ones in there. Well, no, I actually see you guy, as a guy who, uh, you know, who did the work and focused and, and, and stuck it out. I, you know, I, I don't think it doesn't read to me like you, you had some sort of like it was an easy ride. I, I think yeah. that, you know, you, you, you knew what you wanted to do and you, and you did the work and, and you took some hits and you, and you just keep going. And, and you and you and you pivot. And you did a good job. You did a good job. I mean, you know, those Iron Man movies are good movies. Thank I you. mean, Cowboys and Aliens, yeah, Swingers. I mean, and even you know, all of them. I mean, Made was yeah. it had a, it had a lot of heart to it. I mean, you, you know, you don't you know, you didn't sell out your talent. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I know that you're you are the uh, you know, no. that's that's a that's a big you know, that's a big. And you're a good guy. You, thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> but but there's a you put a premium on that, and and I and I do too. It's like how do you how do you grow your career without giving up control of what you consider um, something that you're happy to associate sure. with? Oh, absolutely. Why do you want to live with that? Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky little deal. Yeah. Um, and you don't and there's so many elements you can't control. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it, part of it too is pivoting, you know. And I know a lot of people listen to this because they they are, you know, waiting for their moment. Mm-hmm. And and you know, one message is the moment comes. People that I know who have not succeeded, it has not been because they haven't gotten the chance. It's because they were not full as prepared as they could have been for that moment. And if the moment comes too early, it's often uh, a, a detriment. But the other thing is, I've pivoted a tremendous amount. I want. I wrote swingers. Uh, ultimately tried to get it made because I thought it would be a launching point for my acting career. Right. I, I had a career path if I was going to work at Second City, I was going to get hired by SNL, I was going to work my way through, maybe get a sitcom, then work my way into movies, and mm-hmm. maybe get to be a Woody Allen and have enough clout that I would get to make my own movies. Right. None of that happened the way I thought it was going to happen. I thought I was going to be a actor after Swingers. I was a, a, a script doctor. Yeah. Then I became, you know, a... Uh, 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 you know, a director through stories that I wrote. And, and, and nowadays you could do, you know, like you're doing in here or people do with their filmmaking. You can get together with a group of friends. You don't need to get 200 grand together like we did for Swingers. You could do it with a laptop sure. and an iPhone yeah. and put it out there and you can start to, the, the doors, the walls have come down. Yeah, uh, You're not going to get paid as much as quickly as somebody who comes up through the Hollywood system but you can break through and you can get better uh, and you can make product and you can learn and sharpen your tools. And then when the big chance comes, you'll be ready for that and you'll have a whole body of, of, of work. That's, that's a very encouraging sentiment. And my last uh, thought is, uh, you know, when he, when he brought up Spielberg and that, you know, they, to listen to him tell stories, the first yes. story that came to your head was him seeing the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Yes. That the first story that came to your head. Well, that was, was yeah. Not, not, you know, not directing no. ET, not, no, not. Well, that was a mind blower because he was, because he was working with Belushi, right? In yeah. 1942. Right, no, yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, is there a part of you that, that regrets not having that opportunity? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am in awe and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working with Lauren on something now. Um, and what is that? Uh, there's a book, there's a book called, uh, what in God's name that, yeah. that I'm, uh, you know, that's written by uh, an author named Simon Rich, who is uh-huh. one of the guys who's a, a, a writer on the show. And uh, and Lauren's a producer, and, and it was a really nice book that felt like an old Woody Allen play, mm-hmm. the old Woody Allen comedies. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and, and Lauren, you know, so sitting with Lauren, there's definitely a feeling of, um, you know, there's definitely a feeling of, um, you know, you, you sort of that all flashes through your head and yeah. all the stories of people uh, like you yeah. or other people meeting him yeah. and sitting you know which is really seems like all those stories feel like a mirror yeah. onto that person's experience more than Lauren even knowing right. or remembering sure, any sure, of it sure. but it is a moment when you feel like I am sitting it is such a surreal moment and such an important moment that everything is like lining up yeah. and now I'm getting a reflection of my deepest self yeah and I know a lot of people who got called to meet with Lauren, and I've had that experience with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I met with um, Paul Simon. I was yeah. trying to get him to do, uh, do, he ended up giving us the rights to the song, uh, Loves Me Like a Rock, Fernando yeah. Zathura. 
and I had to, I met with him in the Brill building and I remember talking to him and just in my run up to why it was so important how important he was in my in my life and my dad would play his music yeah. and my parents would sing his songs in the car and he's from Queens yeah. and, and like my deepest memories of childhood and I'm talking to the guy just in sort of the run up to the ask yeah yeah and I broke down like I started weeping and I had to catch myself uh and and I was so embarrassed and I was like this is this is uh and he was like no 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 he was like what's going on I'm like what I'm I'm sorry no what's going on man like that was what he was interested in yeah 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 and and I said look I just this you're like such an important person throughout my whole childhood and, yeah and I'm not like the biggest Paul you know uh, Paul Simon fan uh, but there was like this line of thinking that just crossed into like a deep part of my brain of yeah. like uh, locked up memories yeah yeah and and the intensity that comes from the adrenaline and this whole surreal life that we live in these moments and we have flashes of yeah. it when you're in the line of work we yeah. are and what was so interesting was how important that was to him like that was the important part yeah and i've had that experience with a lot of people with like um uh uh fonzie um uh, uh winkler henry, uh, henry winkler. winkler i met him yeah. once and he really wears it uh he understands that he is a important person to so many people who grew up with him yeah. and 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 Spielberg has that and Ron Howard has that um graciousness yeah that nobody teaches anyone and so many people don't have and and it, it's something to emulate and aspire to because you you start to realize and James Taylor meeting James Taylor same thing the that they understand that although their relationship to you is not a personal one, that yeah. they have had a personal effect and they understand that there's a responsibility that goes with that and they could affect your life if they play that moment right. Yeah. And there's a, it, it's, it's an incredibly, uh, it's fascinating to me. And did Lauren do it? Uh, Lauren, no, Lauren, where, you know, Lauren definitely wears my relationship, you know, my memory of, I didn't, because when I was young, I didn't know Lauren. Yeah. I knew the show. Right. And I've later learned who he is. And yeah. I never was asked to audition, yeah. but I remember when Farley did yeah. and w how it was like ringing through his head before and after. Yeah. Um, and hearing the stories of people who beach themselves yeah. uh, in that meeting of the yeah. dinner or the audition and he's sitting at the feet of everybody who made it or watching Mike Myers on yeah. the TV doing Wayne's World for the first time in the bar that he performed at and I would give him free sandwiches. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so there was definitely a, a, a round lawn there was a thing, but he is a guy who definitely knows how to tell a story. Mm -hmm. He will tell you what works and what doesn't work about comedy and I want it. I want to hear it. I'm in. I want. I. I. I am. I am signed up for that lesson. I mm. will remember everything he says to me. Um, and I'm working with Scorsese now, and that to me is the. You know, he's a high priest. Yeah, definitely. I'm on the set of uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and that was just like you talk about the Lorne stories. Yeah. Anybody who worked with with Lorne Mike, uh, excuse me, with with uh, with, with Mark mm. Scorsese, when I was on Dinner for Five, I would ask them every minute of oh, what was it like? What did he do? I would base a lot of my directing style on stories I had heard. Like Kevin Pollack would told the story about when he was on Casino. Yeah. And he, by the way, I have to do, uh, he was on Dinner for Five. I'm going to probably have, uh, do, do his show. Yeah, sure. he, he'd ask me, I'm going to yeah. uh, check him out because he's he's also doing great in this world. And I've listened to his show. He's doing a nice job. Uh, but he had told me the story about when Marty was directing him and and how uh, open Marty was. And like, okay, you want to do the scene a different way? And 
they'd say, uh, I don't know, angry? Okay, let's do that. Like, he was so open to whatever they had to say without an agenda, which yeah. most directors have. Right. Like, do it. Like, I want to trick you into thinking you're doing it like in the storyboards. Right. On your own volition. Uh-huh. And so, uh, I, you know, I was so enamored with just hearing Kevin tell the story about Marty, and now I'm actually finally working with him. It's In like what capacity? Whole, as an actor? An actor on his thing, you know, on Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm getting ready, I'm flying out to, to do it, uh, uh, to finish up. But I had I had had my first day of shooting. I was next to Rob Reiner, who's another guy that I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's a character actor who broke through and made a studio where right. he did Stand By Me and did all, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all these great films. And and so I get to watch, and it's so hard to act because uh, first of all, I only wanted to please him. Yeah. So that's the worst because when you're an actor, you have to kind of you know give me the ball. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna it's it's the slam dunk contest. Right. Right. Especially if you're a supporting guy, yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. just, you know, you gotta <laughs> yeah, do something. You know, you gotta yeah. give him something special. You bring something to it. Mm-hmm. That's what I want when I'm directing. Mm-hmm. You know, bring it. Yeah. But you know, it's very hard to bring it when you're when you're checking in like a like a like a like a he's child. Caesar the dog whisperer. Like you want to know. I'm sitting. I'm in a submissive posture. I want to. I, I am. I am user friendly, uh, and it also made me realize any little thing that he said. And although I know I thought about it more than he did for that yeah. particular moment or monologue, yeah. uh, how important direction is because I, I hung on every word. Yeah, I wanted to know anything. I wanted him to suggest anything, and I was going to run with anything he said. Yeah. Uh, so it was. It was a uh, wonderful to be around the guy because again. My dad would take me downtown to see him when I was, you know, yeah. a teenager, uh, and and I grew up. I was weaned on his films and Woody Allen's films, and and uh, so it's 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 this wonderful surreal dream, and it sometimes feels like those dreams you used to have when, like, when you're like, like I dreamed that I was in the animated Michael Jack- Jackson Five cartoon yeah, when I was yeah. little. And I woke <laughs> up and I thought like Michael Jackson was my friend, the cartoon Michael Jackson. Yeah. And do you ever feel that way? By the way, I wonder. I, I feel like someday. Somebody's going to wake you up that you're in a coma, and this is like Jacob's Ladder where you're making peace with all the people of your life. You know, I, I well, you know, be, with me, I, I, I mean, I'm just happy to be doing the best stand-up I, I've been doing, and, and, and some of the opportunities that I thought would never happen for me are happening, you know, I, yeah. and I hope I'm showing up for those things. But this show, it yeah. feels like you're having conversations with people that most people only sort of have in their head. Yeah, I, working I, through it's almost like the episode you did with Louis. Yeah, where you actually get to speak about the things that you kind of remember, and you realize how differently each person remembers things. Well, and, yeah, I'm really, I mean, I have in real conversations, you know, yeah. like I, I bring a certain amount of needs to it, but you know, they they all like I need to connect, you know. <laughs> it really makes it interesting, yeah. and 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 as sp- the more specific it gets, the more universal, ironically, it it turns out to be. Yeah, I think that's true, and I, but I think the great thing that you're saying about yourself, and I think it's also a good lesson for everybody, is that you remain so open to learn and and so respectful of the people that made an impression on you that you know you you you, you know it seems that you take uh, something that will you can integrate into your understanding of things from every experience yes and that's an amazing thing yes and and I appreciate you coming oh thank you for it's so it's so surreal to be here uh as part of the I'll be on the app soon. I'm very excited. I, I will. Be, I will be. I hope I. I will be starring myself. Yeah, I, it's good. on I'll, your app. Yeah, you will. You'll, your and name we'll will be up my, in in my app lights. It's good. Now, here's the big fear. What? What kind of shit are you going to talk before and after? That's the big thing. I always wonder. What do I talk shit? You not talk shit, but you're like, you know, I had a good time. He seems like a good guy. I don't know. It seems like he's hiding something. See what you think. He's a good guy. Pow! I just shit my pants. 
You know what I mean? Well, we're just going to have to see. I'm going to see. I'm going to help. That's when you really know what you think. It's to my face, you're going to say nice things, but they, you know, he's kind of oh, talked a lot. He talked a lot. All right. All right. I, I will, I will make, I'll make note of how aware you are. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I keep doing what you're doing. It's great. It's a, it's um, you're onto something. I, I don't know what exactly, yeah, me but neither. It's, but it, there is something you're hitting a chord, and I like that people are, are, are connecting with it because I think it's valuable stuff. Like you, it takes you to talk a few minutes longer than they do in most arenas, but that's when you get to the good stuff, and yeah. that's when you get to the stuff that you could actually. Uh, learn something from and and where you could actually apply the experience other than just the ogling at the spectacle yeah you get to the humanity of the people and and you realize that the this the situation with all these people as different as they seem there's such a universal uh humanity to the people and the way that you speak to them so you know hats off to you keep keep it up i'm, I'm so glad this is happening here oh thanks man that's yeah. a, that's a, it means a lot and i mean it thanks john Okay, that's it. I enjoyed that conversation with John. Uh, if you're still listening, John, I thought it went very well. Okay, and I enjoyed it. That's that's from that's from my middle chakra. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the 4th through the 6th at the Improv at the Hard Rock there in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And then the following weekend, whatever that is. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, I will be at Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina. Looking forward to eating some food down there. And I mentioned my buddy Jeremy at the beginning. If you're an L.A. guy or gal who has a, a Mac panic, uh, Jeremy is the Mac man. And you can uh, get him at macmannow.com. He's the wizard. He's very good. He deals with good people. And he is a good person. And he's on top of it. He knows his shit. He has saved my ass many a time. So there's that. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Uh, did, oh, did I mention that I'll be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts, doing a live WTF and a live stand-up show on the same night, Friday, uh, February 8th. Tickets are available for that. Going to have a lot of dates coming up, doing a big tour. Help me name my tour. Send me some suggestions. The We Good Tour. Hey, maybe that's it. I don't know. But uh, Christmas, do it now. Go to WTFPod.com. They might be a little late, but we might be able to get them out. I doubt it. But I got a lot of new merch. Got the Boomer Lives t-shirts. Got the, the mugs and the tote bags and the, the this and the that. Get the app. Upgrade to premium. Get all the episodes. Boomy Lives!